I accepted it. Do you know what I mean? I accepted it. I listened to myself. I took the pain on board. I didn't pull it behind and pretend I was the happiest person, which a lot of people do. Do you know what I mean? They pretend they're the happiest person. I said, Joe, what? This is a hard period. I'm really struggling. I'm going to accept it and I'm going to experience the pain. And eventually, as I come out of it, as I became, I got back into a good, healthy routine. I was enjoying business once again because breakups, they make you stop enjoying everything else. It becomes an absolute blur. And when my business was at its top, when I was earning the most money I've ever earned, I was probably the least happiest I've ever been. Welcome to this week's episode of Live Well, Be Well with your host, Sarah Ann Macklin. A new study published in the Lancet Child and Adolescent Health examines the relationship between physical activity, screen time and adolescent mental well-being internationally. The researchers found that more screen time and less physical activity were associated with lower life satisfaction and more somatic complaints in adolescents from high-income countries. Now, this data doesn't just apply to adolescents. We all know that the more time we spend sedentary in front of our screens, the more impact it has on our mental well-being. There is so much research today to show the beneficial effects that exercise has on our mental well-being. A new exercise habit can enhance the brain's reward system and increase neural connections among other areas of the brain that helps calm anxiety. The natural state of the nervous system can be changed by our daily physical activity so that it becomes more relaxed and less inclined to fight, flight or fear. So in today's episode, I speak to fitness trainer and author Bradley Simmons, and he reveals to me his personal journey connected to mental health and exercise, as well as opening up a wealth of his own knowledge on how you can best stay motivated and engage in activity which supports your mind and mental well-being. I have a really exciting announcement for all of our fantastic Live Well, Be Well audience. We are going to be hosting our final episode of this season in a live podcast. You can grab your tickets to the finale on the Be Well Collective website. There is only a limited number available, so please head there to grab your tickets before they go. The podcast live episode will be hosted at the gorgeous new members club pavilion in Knightsbridge London and I will be revealing our guest very soon but it is definitely one not to miss it is on the evening of December the 2nd and this time we'll be feeling very festive and there will also be be well collective goodie bags on offer for you too and I can't wait to see you there so head to the website and make sure you buy your tickets before they're gone This week's sponsor of Live Well, Be Well is the recovery footwear brand, Ufos. I came across Ufos myself at the very beginning of 2020, just as the pandemic hit. I was running a lot during this time as gyms were closed and I caused myself Achilles tendonitis, which is horribly painful. And this was the moment that I came across Ufos. Anyone who has dealt with an injury which has stopped them exercising will understand the frustration which is caused. Until this point, I had never really taken my recovery seriously. 
which cause my Achilles to flare up. Recovery is as important as exercise itself. And this is what UFOS understands. So let me tell you a little bit about UFOS. UFOS are groundbreaking pioneers of sports recovery footwear who have created UFOM, the secret recipe of UFOS innovative recovery footwear, which reduces your impact by 37% more than traditional foams. The painted footbed design cradles and supports the arches, helping you recover faster and get back on your feet again. All this works to aid the recovery process and the brand is scientifically proven to reduce stress on the body by reducing energy exertion in the ankles by up to 20%. The range includes winter ready options such as boots, shoes, clogs, or you can go for the slides and socks look. It's completely up to you. I myself personally love the slides without the socks. So head to their website, which is www.ufos.co.uk and check them out. They are fantastic. And I honestly am not saying this. For the last nearly year and a half or just more, I have been living in them when I come back from my runs and my exercise to help aid my recovery. So go and check them out and let me know if they help you too. Bradley, welcome to Live Well, Be Well today. Thank you for coming on. Firstly, how are you? I am good. I am good. I did my workout this morning. I went for a nice dog walk. It was a beautiful morning this morning. So I'm feeling good. I had my breakfast and I'm ready for the day ahead. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Oh, thanks for coming on. Is that normally how you start your day? It sounds like a really positive daily routine or do you mix it up? I don't tend to mix it up because I like my routine. So I wake up nice and early, I have my coffee, I look at my emails, get myself nice and ready before everyone starts the day. And then I do my live workout for my subscribers, followed by a nice long dog walk with Roots. Again, I'm still emailing people, I'm doing phone calls and stuff. So I work on the move, which I like to do. I come home and then I'll go meet someone for lunch, socialise, might work out again, who knows? change it up but I'm very busy at the minute because after lockdown which was crazy life is coming back to normal now so you get invited to more events you get invited to obviously different meetings here and there so it's good so can you give all of our listeners I'm sure everyone who's listening to this will know who you are but could you give everyone a brief story because well you're an author is one thing I want to say but a personal trainer but you've had a really interesting career and I'd love you to share that story with our listeners yeah, so from a very young age, I wanted to be a professional footballer. That's all I wanted to do, and that's all I thought I would be. I had a really great childhood playing for Chelsea Academy from the age of seven all the way to 16. I then signed professionally for Queen's Park Rangers, um, and unfortunately, I'd suffered really bad injuries. But luckily for those injuries, I learned about how the body works, nutrition, so I took that into my new career, which was personal training. So from the age of 20, I just grafted, 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 ended up having a really good client base from like John Terry, Jamie Wren, you then had my Gemma, Louise Rittenapp and Caroline Flat, for example. So my client base just grew, grew and grew and that's helped me build my brand. And then seven years later, from the day I started personal training, I've now got my own app, I've got my own platform. So yeah. Yeah, but that's launched recently as well, hasn't it? Your app. It literally launched yesterday, so... Yeah, things are only on the up and sometimes I have to pinch myself, but I just keep grafting and I'm enjoying the journey. 
Yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal when you kind of start talking about this dream that you have as a child and you actually are good enough and you get to that dream. And then the frustration of having, was it an ACL injury? Is that the one that you suffered with? Yes, ACL was a major, the main ligament in your knee. So it tore a grade three tear. It took me 10 months to come back from that, which was tough at the age of 18, I was. So it's tough, also always tough, especially when you're developing and managers are looking at you, coaches are looking at you, and I'm sitting on a bike and I'm just watching all my mates playing football and I'm there in the physio room. So that was tough, mentally tough. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think I'm thankful for those lessons and those experiences because I feel like I'm mentally tough now for, because of it. Well, what lessons did you learn? You know, I can imagine mindset being one of them, but what did that teach you to kind of, because obviously you didn't give up, you've gone on, you in other areas well it's taught me that setbacks are lessons they're not setbacks for you to quit they're vital lessons to help you succeed in the future so just gotta keep going so when for example now when I have a vision when I want to achieve something I know that it's doable and there will be setbacks there will be bumps on the road but you can definitely get there in the end so that's what I'm very thankful for with my football career short football career yeah and do you still play yeah 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 I still play on the Saturday I think it's so important for your mental health your social life me and my best mates my brothers my two older brothers play in the same team and my best mates we play for Richmond and Kew <laughs> so we, have, we play in a competitive league so it's really good and after there's a great social we have beers after all the boys are together which is I think is so so important and this is the thing with what I want to talk about Sarah I really want to kind of get to the crux of the importance of mental health and Firstly, you know, obviously, I know that you talk a lot openly regarding mental health because physical activity is heavily linked. And you also talk a lot about mindset and having the importance of having that kind of strong, positive mindset, which is actually very important as personal trainer because you are that person who is encouraging people every day to get up and motivate them, which, if I think about it, is actually quite exhausting probably for you yourself because you're constantly being positive energy surrounding people saying you can do this you can do this and I can also imagine people come to you with a lot of their problems themselves you know and they probably divulge a lot to you how do you cope with that well it's tough uh, I have to surround myself with people that understand and re- relate also so during lockdown for example I was carrying all the people that do my live workouts I'd had up to like seven to eight thousand people do my live workouts and every single day so I was waking up thinking god I've got to keep those guys lifted so that's my job that was on my shoulders and it did get to a point where I nearly hit a brick wall and I crashed because I was mentally, physically absolutely exhausted. And my body just didn't want to get out of bed. So then I realized I had to, it was important for me to just relax and just take a week off so I can go back again. So you've got to listen to your body as well. You can't always be that person who lists everyone. You've got to also take care of yourself. So that was a lesson I learned during lockdown. But as a personal trainer, yeah, you're not just there to improve their physique. You're also there to improve their mental health and keep them nice and stable. You become a counselor. You listen to their problems and you talk People love to talk and people need to talk. It's the best way to get over something is talking. And as a personal trainer, you have to be very good at that. So you might have all the degrees in the world, but if you can't talk to someone, if you can't socialize with someone, you're not a good personal trainer. (laughs) Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? I just think it's really important. I can imagine, you know, a lot of people, that's a 45-minute session to an hour session for themselves. So it's an act of self-care. And in that time, I imagine a lot of emotions come up. And I was on a fitness retreat a few weeks ago in Mallorca. And it was even after a yoga session, we sat down for breakfast and three girls just burst into tears. Oh, wow. And they felt like it was really opening them up. 
And there was kind of no rhyme or reason. They didn't kind of say, this is why. They just said it was a very emotional session. And there is a really big link between exercise and mental health, isn't there? And do you see that when you train with clients or just for yourself? Yeah, first of all, I see it for myself. So I know okay, how, how important it is for my clients because clients come to me and go, I want to look good. And I'm like, look, that's going to be a bonus. We're going to really focus on your mental health. We're going to get you in a good routine. You're going to change your mindset and then that's going to help you stay consistent because you're going to see the benefits of your mental health. And then the bonus is you're going to look really good. And when you do look really good, that also builds your confidence. So they come hand in hand. Look good, feel good. That's a motto I like to say. Look good, feel good. But also feel good and that can help you look good as well. So they bounce off each other. And it's so, so important. And I always say to people, that's why I do my workouts live in the mornings. Get up, do a workout, release those endorphins to the brain. It's going to make you feel energetic, productive, and you want to go and smash a day ahead. You then go to work and people see that energy from you. Walk into your office, you're feeling good. You know, you put your best suit on, you put your best dress on, and people see that energy. And like, wow, what's she doing? Next minute, you're inspiring someone else to go and work out in the morning. And next minute, that person inspires someone else. So it's very contagious. You just got to start. And that is sometimes the hardest thing, isn't it? Starting it. I think, you know, with Be Well and when I talk about mental health, I think a lot of people are quite scared to approach it because we always look at mental health illness and that is something that we associate with mental health. But we all suffer with mental health. You know, we have an organ, it's a brain. And mental health is part of all of us and prevention is such a big way. And there's a really kind of important conversation where we view physical activity in the UK as something that like we have to do and something we ought to do but actually we don't always value it for kind of our overall well-being so as you said someone comes to you to like want to look good but actually it would be amazing if someone came to you and said I just want to feel good in my in myself in my mind and that is something that you know exercise does have and there's now so much research to back that up which I'm you know, I'm sure you're really aware of, but it's even things like 10 minute walk a day has been shown to boost your mood and your mental alertness. So like for you, when you're with your clients, what do you try to do? Like what kind of exercises, what's the kind of structure of routines that you do to kind of boost that kind of optimization of mental well-being overall? Everyone's an individual, so everyone likes different styles of training. But like I said before, I've had clients come to me already in a bad headspace and they want to get let's say skinnier I want to get skinnier I'm like whoa 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 that's going to make you even worse <laughs> you know what I mean and this is the problems with I guess Instagram today and the pressures to look good people who aren't already in a mental headspace a good head, mental headspace think that looking better is going to make them feel better but but a lot of them do bad diets they over exercise and that can cause even worse problems so you kind of got to take them back, make them realize why they're doing this. You've got to educate them on the importance of eating healthy, having a good structure of exercise, having a good relationship with food, having a good relationship with exercise. And you also got to remind them that if you do this, this is the sort of place you might be and that's not where you want to be. So you've also got to be like a life coach, not just a personal trainer. <laughs> so over the years of being a personal trainer, okay, I've been a personal trainer for seven years. At the very start, was I good? I was great at obviously knowledge and understanding exercises, but as I've got older with experience, you learn to become a life coach and that's actually more valuable and beneficial. So you're getting the best of both. You're getting a life coach and you're getting a personal trainer. So yeah, so that's the importance for me. Everyone's individual. You have to adapt to each person. So some people go straight into it. Some people need to take it easy and take it slow. It's about adapting. Yeah, adapting is such a good, important word because I think sometimes... I exercise a lot, but when you're with someone who doesn't exercise a lot, it can feel really daunting to actually make that start. And I think 
when you do maybe not feel yourself, and I think we all have those days when we don't feel ourselves or we feel low, and especially so many of us in the last year, as you said, we've all gone through quite hard times. So making that start is sometimes the hardest thing. And But when you do make that, it can become easier. And I think but making that first step is, is the hardest. For anyone who's listening, you know, for you, what's that kind of magic ingredient to get people to make that first step? Is investment. So investment in a personal trainer, which I know can be very expensive. If you, if you can't afford that, invest in a app, for example, like mine, where it's £25 a month and you're training with me every single day. So you've got a routine. You get your friends on board to so create a little community. You invest in buying some new clothes. Instead of going to Zara to buy a new outfit, why not go to Sports Direct and buy yourself a new fitness outfit? You're going to want to wear that outfit, you know? Don't go to the supermarket hungry. Go where you've eaten a nice meal. You go there and you're going to go, do you know what? I'm going to be smart. I'm going to get some good nutrition here. I'm going to set up a plan for the week of what I'm going to eat. So being organized, being organized. And again, like I mentioned before, surround yourself with people who are also in a good mindset always, always helps. Mindset is so important. And I think mindset and organization also is the same with nutrition. So say when someone comes to see me for a change in their nutrition plan, and organization is always kind of the key start of it. It's like setting yourself up to kind of continue on that zone. But I also think it's really important to make time for yourself because, you know, time, I think, is one of the most valuable things that we have. And as you said, you know, we're back into kind of the craziness of the world again. You know, everything's opening up, people can travel, and time seems to be one of the hardest things to carve for ourselves. And it's an act of self-care. It's like saying, this is the time that I'm going to go and spend on myself to actually make myself feel better, not yeah, just look better. 100%. And a lot of people see going to a fitness class as a chore. It's not because once you finish that fitness class, you know the benefits it does to your mindset and everything. So like, I know London's quite expensive. You can spend £25 in a fitness class. But that £25 be so much more beneficial than two rounds of drink at a bar after work with two people. So seeing the value of money and seeing that's really important. That's where people need to change their mindset with things because they'll happily go to the bar and go, yeah, I'll have three gin and tonics, 25 quid. But they won't spend £25 on a fitness class, which makes them feel a lot better. And it's also you don't need to spend £25 to, you know, feel great. You have that thing such as, you know, runner's high where you can get your trainers and you do get that runner's high. You do get that injection of, you know, the serotonin, the happy hormone, the cortisol release and all of these things that are so important. And I was looking at, as I always do, because I'm fascinated by research, but I was looking at a study which was done recently where people rated their mood immediately after periods of physical activity. So it could either be something as simple as like going for a walk or going for a run and then periods of inactivity. So they rated it after they read a book or they watched television and they found that the participants that felt more content, which I think is a really important word, more awake and calmer after being physically active compared to the periods of periods of inactivity. And they also found that the effects of physical activity on mood was greatest when mood was initially low. Wow. So it's one of those like mindsets that if you are feeling, I guess, really low, the hardest thing is to actually make that positive change. But trying to t- let yourself know that actually this is one thing that can make you feel 
really positive. I think it's a sense of achievement because once you finish a workout or any sort of activity, it's a sense of, well, I did that and I did that myself. It's a sense of that achievement, which gives you that buzz, releases those endorphins and makes you proud of yourself. Mm. I think that also is really key. And that's probably why that study works. Maybe not, but I'm just thinking <laughs> that's just my opinion. Because I, I know when I'm really don't fancy and I go and do a run or I go and smash one of my hit workouts, after I'm like, wow, I'm proud of myself. I did that sense of achievement. Yeah. It is. And it's like, yeah, I guess another thing is goal setting that I always see is quite important when we're trying to get back into motivating and setting ourselves like achievable small goals. Yeah, well, you have to set yourself a big goal to begin with because you have to visualize where do I want to be? What do I want? So you have that goal, but then you've got to be realistic. Okay, to get there, I need to set myself small goals. And it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a marathon, not a sprint. So, and what comes into that play is, okay, my nutrition. Okay, I need maybe need to change my lifestyle. Okay, maybe I need to stop going out Friday, Saturday, and then drinks on a Sunday as well. So these little things, you just little life changes. I'm not saying big life changes, just little life changes. And then you realize the benefits of these life changes. So again, it's so, so crucial. And it's only small ones. It's not like you don't have to change the world. Small little life changes make a huge difference. And that's, I think that's always the kind of recipe of success because with nutrition, I always say, so many people go, right, that's it. I'm going on this full the word that I hate within commas, but detox diet, or, you know, I'm going to become vegan or I'm going to become ketogenic. And people go to such extremes and then obviously have setbacks quite quickly because it's such a hard, attainable way to live your lifestyle. Oh, I always mention, you know, just introducing new vegetable every week to start. You're introducing something new and you're also not putting yourself too much pressure on yourself. And then you build up as you go to hopefully maintain it. And you look back six months later and you think, wow, I've actually added all of these additions into my lifestyle, which is really possible. Six months goes like that. So after six months, wow, you're eating more fish, for example. You're eating more vegetables, like you said. You're eating more root vegetables. You're eating more plant-based foods, which is so much more beneficial than probably the process, the quick food, the quick put that in the microwave, or let's just go around to the pub quick, which people do. It's convenient. But once it becomes a lifestyle, it is convenient also because you buy a lot at the start of the week and you enjoy cooking and you introduce other people to it and then you can help your friend out and that's the sense of achievement as well because you're making someone else feel good so those are so many ways that you can improve yeah and I think that's the you know hopefully this is what the podcast will bring inspiration to people before kind of I go on a bit more into kind of mental health as a whole for some people I know from working in clinic when I talk about the importance of exercise and and trying to structure a routine alongside their plan a lot of people don't feel body confident enough to do it and there's this really kind of overwhelming sense that if you have low self-esteem and you're not a body confident person to go into a class it can feel really overwhelming and I'm sure that you see that as well with clients you know what advice do you give to anyone who said I really want to do this but I don't feel confident in myself enough to do it or feel ashamed of themselves which is a really horrible place to be well one of my favorite quotes is you don't have to be great to start but you have to start to be great so you have to try and get over that barrier and I guarantee you everyone in that class is focused on themselves they've got their own insecurities so they're just focusing on themselves you might get eye contact with them but they're not worried about you they're not thinking about you they're honestly thinking about themselves and the class they've got ahead so honestly if you have to be at the back of the class, be at the back of the class. But as the more you get on, the more comfortable you're going to feel. And you might be at the front of the class in six weeks' time. My sister was a prime example. She was overweight and we started exercising. And she was fine with one-on-one, but then she got invited to go to events, to classes. And she felt really, really nervous. 
And I said to Connie, honestly, go and do your thing because you've got the biggest smile in that group anyway. So everyone will love your energy regardless of your size or your fitness levels. And she went and she came back and said, Bradley, I really, really enjoyed that. All the girls made me feel welcome. I don't know why I was so worried. And now I'm, I'm focused to get to where they are. So sometimes you do have to step out of your comfort zone. And I think that's the most important in, in everything, whether it's your career, you have to step out of your comfort zone if you want results, if you want to be happier. And I guarantee yourself, once you do that, six, seven, eight, 12 weeks, like I said, it's not a sprint, it's, it could be a marathon. Once you're at the place where you're super happy with yourself, you're going to look back and really, really be so proud of yourself for stepping outside your comfort zone. I know it's tough, though. I'm sure it's tough, but I guarantee you, you'll thank yourself for it. Yeah, I think there is that kind of moment, isn't there, when you end up realizing that you are in a very comfortable area to where you got to and actually making that transition to stretching yourself is always in a, quite an anxiety, fear-driven place. But when you do that, that is when you see the results, but that's also when you gain, I think, a lot of self-esteem in yourself and you build that confidence to say, actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And especially in group situations, because for me, community and people having around you is actually really important for your mental health on a whole. So it gives you another support system as a network. Yeah, and when you go into those classes, you meet new friends. So it's another bonus. You're, you're socialising, which is really good for your mental health. But if, again, if you are really struggling, of course, you've got your online programmes, you've got your online app to build yourself up. You can go for runs by yourself. You can go for long walks before you step into that fitness class. So you can build yourself up before that fitness class if you, you are really worried. But I guarantee you going into that class, I'm sure the trainer will be good. Every trainer, personal trainer should be able to deal with a beginner, for example, and they should make you feel welcome. So don't feel too scared. Don't feel too scared. Hopefully we can encourage it because I think we're meant to be doing 30 minutes of exercise five times a week from public health guidelines recommendations. But I think I think there's only like 18 or 20%, I might have got that wrong, but it's a very small percentage that are actually engaging in that much a week. For you, like what would be your recommendations for people and where they can start or what they should be aiming towards? Well, again, it all depends on your... Everyone depends on their fitness levels, how they are to begin with. For me, I'm a very fit person, so I train six times a week. You're the optimum. I'm the, so, I, so you're going to get to the optimum. You're training six times a week, maybe eight to nine because you might do double sessions. I'm also walking my dog, walking my dog an hour and a half, two hours a day. So that's optimum. And I'm, I'm everywhere. So, for example, instead of getting on the tube to central London today, I'm going to jump on a Santander bike and it takes 40 minutes. But I'm not going to go like Bradley Wiggins and race it. I'm just going to be nice and chilled along the river. It would take me 40 minutes to get to central London. So it's making the right smart choices. But yes, I would say encourage 30 minutes a day if you're a beginner. But then definitely add that on. You can do 40, then it's 45, then it's up to an hour. So definitely add on to it. Like Obviously, the government tell us very simple, basic, average. You don't want to be average. You want to get yourself to an athletic mindset you might not be an athlete but you still can put yourself into athlete mindset because that's going to push yourself that's going to push your body because you need to push your body and challenge yourself if you want to become a better person healthy wise mentally wise as well again coming out of your comfort zone just because the government tells you to do 30 minutes a day now let's do 35 let's do 40 why not I mean, I completely agree with you on the <laughs> sad thing is we don't even reach the basic government guidelines in the UK. Yeah, some people don't. It's mad, isn't it? A large percentage of it. And it's the same with nutrition. It's 21% only eat five of their five a day. But, you know, our research shows that we're, the optimization of the benefits is nine a day. But we can't say that because we can't actually reach the five a day at the moment. So it's kind of, 
getting people motivated to enjoy exercise and enjoy the and educated as well yeah let's not, let's not just tell them to do it tell them why they should be doing it yeah that's absolutely. the importance and so when people are making the decisions to bring in more physical activity something that I think a lot of us well, especially women so this may not be for men but it's the resistance exercises so it's the things that actually you know help maintain and maybe build muscle a lot of especially what I used to do when I was younger was a lot of cardio, so a lot of running, a lot of spinning, but thought less about the resistance. How important is it to make sure you're mixing up your exercises for your body? Well, first of all, there's a myth that resistance training, weight training is going to make a girl bulky, manly. Let's put that myth to a side because that's completely not true. That's the number one woman's fear, isn't it? Yes, it is. I don't want big, bulky shoulders. So a lot of females, they just do leg day, leg day, leg day, core, core, and don't even touch the upper body. The only way you're going to get bulky or, let's say, manly, which is there's nothing wrong with that anyway, is if you're consuming loads of calories and you're doing a lot of protein plus you're smashing two workouts a day and lifting heavy. If you want to be nice and lean and nice and healthy and nice and strong, which is very important to build muscle because it structures your, your skeleton, right? it protects your organs, it keeps you, it has a good posture, helps with your red and white blood cells, for example. There's so many benefits to strength training. Good for your core, helps you with everyday activities. And as you get older, you want a stronger body because you don't want to be slugged. You don't want to be 60 and have a walking stick. So let's train now. Let's focus on building our strength now when we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s. But yeah, that's a complete myth. And I, I 100% recommend anyone listening to this to add resistance training to their regime. High-intensity training is great. It burns calories, maintains a, a low body fat percentage, improves fitness levels, improves your cardiovascular health. Great. Same as running and cardio. But strength training is so, so important. Mm. And if you want to look good in your clothes, if that's what you're doing, then you want a nice peachy bum, then you've got to do the strength <laughs> training. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good in your bikini comes to Ibiza in June, July. <laughs> That's true. And if you do that, unfortunately, cardio will make you look very flat because you're not building muscle. Cardio actually burns muscle as well as fat. Yes, exactly. So you need to add that resistance training, resistant bands, cable machines, light dumbbells. Don't have to go heavy. You can go high reps, endurance type of training, and that's going to get you fit. That's going to get you lean, which we do at Get It Done. There you go. There you go. And I mean, the thing is, especially as you get older, I mean, it may be different for somebody who's 18 listening to this, but if you're kind of in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, you know, resistance training is critical for things like scarpopenia, oh, which is obviously, and it protects your bones. And it's one of those things that when you're younger, you don't think about things like osteomalacia or osteoporosis and the things where, you know, holy bones or weak bones. But it's actually a really big thing, especially if you're doing a lot of like, you know, heavy impact exercise, you really need to make sure that you're protecting your bones long term. And again, that's what we're not educated. Back in the day, whoever lifted weights was seen as fain or they loved themselves. Look at them in the mirror. But now the science behind it shows that it's so beneficial and even more beneficial and important as you get older. So for those that listen to this and think, oh, no, I'm a bit too old now to do weights. No, you're not. Start now. Again, invest, get yourself a personal trainer to show you the right techniques. And as you get older and older, you'll be more comfortable in your body. Your body will be able to carry on doing those everyday activities without feeling pain and discomfort. So true. I think you'll like this, actually. I bought my parents, virtually I'm very happy with it, <laughs> as a Christmas gift, personal trainers. And I think they looked at me thinking, why? And I was like, this is actually a gift of love. 
Yes, 100%. 100%. And did they do the personal training sessions? They did. They really enjoyed it so much. They bought equipment for the kind of, they built like a little, I want to say shed, like a little outhouse at the bottom of the garden and bought equipment. Are they still training now or have they learned from the personal trainers? Because I say a lot of people, if you can't afford personal training, maybe invest in two, three weeks. Get taught the right techniques, the right methods, and then you can sponge that in and go, cool, I'm happy, I'm comfortable to go by myself. That is the thing, isn't it? Having the confidence in the gym. I'm not still confident enough, even though I train, to go into a gym, into the weight section. I still feel very intimidated in that area. I will say, if you feel really intimidated, put your hat on, put your headphones in, listen to a good podcast or good music and just be you. Just you versus you. Don't worry about anyone else. Because I guarantee you, guys are guys, right? And be honest, guys will always look at a girl, attractive girl, because guys are guys. That's the way it is. But honestly, they're so focused on their own training anyway. Majority of guys anyway. Of course, you're going to get that 1% who are idiots, but that's just life. But honestly, if you just go there and smash it out, they'll be going, wow, that girl, she's cool. I'm impressed by that. And then other girls will see you and go, wow, I'm going to be cool like her and I'm going to go and smash it. And then next minute, it'll be girls in the gym room, not even the guys. So that's the way it should be for me anyway. I think that's the way it should go. That is true, encouraging one another on. So, well, that takes me to a really nice question, actually, because... I really want to know, Bradley, like who inspires you? Because you do have a positive mental attitude and you, you do obviously do feel very confident in yourself to say, I'm going to achieve this. And you have, you know, but for you, who is inspiration to you? Who does inspire you? It's going to sound a bit cliche, but because I set myself goals and I believe in myself, I inspire myself every single day. I'm very lucky. I'm surrounded by my brothers, my best mates, and we have a boy chat. And every day, yes, I'm gonna, I've just done this, lads. I'm buzzing. Like, we're motivating each other. So we're not the type of group who are jealous or oh, I don't want to tell them that I've achieved this because they're not really going to like it. We actually encourage you and push yourself. So every day our boy chat is just going, yes, 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 love that, love that, love that. So that's good. So I'm surrounding myself with good people. And, of course, you've got other people in the industry who are smashing it, so that inspires you. Like, for me, the girls in my industry are killing it. They are killing it. And it's great to see, you know, with their fitness apps and bringing out their own clothings and stuff. So they inspire me. So how can I be the boy version of that? I follow the right people. I surround myself with the right people. But I think for me, I've just got it in myself. I have since I was a little kid. I've been quite independent, being one of four. I was the youngest. My mum kind of just left me to it. And I think that's the best thing she ever did because I'm just independent. and just got it in me just to inspire myself every single day. Otherwise, I get bored. <laughs> I feel like you've got, yeah, like a very active mind is what I feel. And obviously active body because you're constantly on the go. I feel like you're a Duracell battery. From what I know little of you. Exactly. You mentioned there about being in a group boy chat and you support yourself, you support each other and you kind of egg each other on with like your achievements. But do you ever talk about mental health in that chat? Do you ever say like, actually, I'm having a really bad day because there must be times when you wake up and you don't feel inspired there must be yeah of course I'll be true like during my breakup recently I would try and talk to the boys and like ah oh, you'll be fine you're a good looking lad you'll just get loads of other girls it's fine that was their response and I was like lads I don't need that response I need actual I need so I need friends to talk to me do you know what I mean and that's where my female friends actually were more helpful so that's something I've definitely learned like mm, men need to help each other out and be real, do you know what I mean? Because it's tough for men to be real and open up. And that's something I've done. Like my friend recently went for a breakup and I just sat down and said, look, mate, I went through the same thing and this is how I dealt with it. And I understand, I can relate. And he went, oh my God, it's, oh, I can actually talk to you. Like that's, God, and it felt relief. So it's about men just swallowing their egos and just helping each other out and being real. 
that's the most important thing I think is so important. I'm very thankful I've got some female friends who helped me out and my sister and my mum, for example. But yeah, for my brothers are bloody useless. My brothers are absolutely useless. And I've told them that now, they're like, oh yeah, what, oh, brother, I thought you'd just be okay. Like, cause obviously you're confident, you do your thing, you just move on quickly. I was like, nah. So yeah, men need to swallow their egos and realise that they need to help each other out when, when it comes to things like that. And do you feel now like confident to say that to your friends and saying, you know, actually there is time of need of real support of how I feel in conversations? Because there is this kind of macho, obviously with egos up, it's kind of macho outlook that you are strong and that, you know, you should be non-dehumanized basically. And there's this human element that we all have emotions and, you know, whatever it is, whatever it's trauma, loss, breakup, arguments, business, we all are going to be affected. And it's really important to address that. Do you think that's something that you feel confident enough to say to your friends now? Yeah, 100%, because I know the benefits of it. Obviously, being a personal trainer and being a counsellor and how important it is for my clients to open up, I realise how important it is for me to open up. So, I mean, yes, I'm an alpha male, but I can put that to one side and and seek the help that I need to be that alpha male once again, for example. So, yeah, I know the importance, but I know a lot of men out there that don't and they struggle. So obviously if men listen to me now or listen to this, open up. It's the best thing you can do, honestly, whether it's your, with your girlfriends or your mates. And your mates might not want to listen and they might find it cringe, but no, they need to listen. So instead of saying, how are you? Like you mentioned, you said to me at the very start, how are you? Such a good question. But not just how are you, how actually are you? And look them in the eye. No, tell me how you actually are. Because I can sense, you can sense when your friends are acting differently or they're not themselves. So instead of just having a pint and then talking about the football, actually talk to them and see how they actually are. Because it'll be the best thing they do, open up and talk. Yeah, it's like asking the question twice, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And getting two maybe completely different responses. Yes, exactly. Do you feel now supported regarding your mental health with your friends? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so what were the things that you did when you were going through that time when you were like, I'm actually really struggling? It sounded like it was a breakup where you really needed kind of that extra support. What were the things that you did to support your mental health during that time? I accepted it. I mean, I accepted it. I listened to myself. I took the pain on board. I didn't pull it behind and pretend I was the happiest person, which a lot of people do. Do you know what I mean? They pretend they're the happiest person. I said, Joe, what? This is a hard period. I'm really struggling. I'm going to accept it and I'm going to, experienced the pain and eventually as I come out of it as I became I got back into a good healthy routine I was enjoying business once again because breakups that make you stop enjoying everything else it becomes an absolute blur and when Mm. my business was at its top when I was earning the most money I've ever earned I was probably the least happiest I've ever been it was incredible it was actually incredible and I couldn't understand it so that's why me talking to people and relating to people and people saying yeah I went through that too is so helpful and eventually time is a healer for sure time is definitely a healer and with time honestly now I'm in the best place I think I have been since I was playing football all those years ago and really enjoying it it's one of those things isn't it it's creating that conversation so I think when you feel really low so whether it's a breakup or whether it's I don't know, a massive argument with a very dear friend or whether it's a business side that you're very worried about, whether it's a family-related issue, if you know that someone else has also gone through that pain or that struggles and it's not just you, it makes the whole situation a lot more human. And I think that is one of the most important things. It's just talking. It doesn't always have to offer a solution 
to the conversation. There isn't always a solution, but it's about kind of like creating that dialogue, which was you said, like, I've been through that. That's how I felt. And then all of a sudden you feel this connection to say, oh my God, it's not just me who is struggling. Because once you're in that dark place or low place, you don't feel like you can get out of it. But if you're speaking to someone who's been through that and you see them, well, they're doing really well, they're succeeding, they seem happy, they've moved on. You go, Joe, well, there is a light in the tunnel. But the only way for me to find that out is by talking to people, letting them know how actually how I feel. And if I keep that to myself, then I'm not going to have that realisation that, yes, you can get through this. So that's why, again, people listening, it's so, so important to talk. Yeah, I completely agree with you, even though it's the hardest thing. We say it. <laughs> it's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? It's the hardest thing. Especially for us men, 100%. I know it is. I've been there myself. Yeah, but you also <laughs> realised and recognised it, which I think is a kind of huge triumph of success to, for that mental health mindset that we, we all kind of talk about. I think, you know, again, we need to reshape our views of how we discuss mental health. You know, prevention should be key. Conversations, lifestyle approaches, all of these, like, you know, fantastic conversations with men like you speaking up and speaking out and saying, ask someone twice how they feel. It's the first step to kind of really creating a destigmatized environment around that and actually saying, there are days when I just feel not myself and I feel rubbish and that's okay 100%. and accepting it. And then getting out and doing exercise to help. <laughs> well, like I said, prevention is so key. How do you prevent it? Again, so for good people, have a good nutritious diet, exercise regularly, have goals set in place so you're focused. But you still could hear brick wall and struggle with your mental health, and that's normal. Look at me. I was probably one of the healthiest, fittest, happiest people during the lockdown. And then you go through something really tough, and then you're like, whoa, where does this come from? So it's normal to feel, be happy, healthy, confident, and then for you to hit a brick wall. So that's normal as well. That does happen. Again, it's just then talking to people, relating to people, and understand that time is a healer. And setting yourself new goals as well. How can you get out of this rut? Okay, I'm, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to get away. And that's what helped me the most. I then took on hiking. So I went to the Lake District. I then went to the Peak District and I saw just nature. I went with my dog. I went to Eastbourne, did the white cl- the, the cliffs. And that for me was so, so, so good. Getting out of London, getting out of the 100 miles an hour, having to think I have to be successful, I have to be successful, I have to be successful. Oh, all my competitors are doing really well. Doing what? For me to get there, I, my mindset needs to be in a good place. So I need to step back. I need to take time to myself. I need to get out of London. I need to be with nature. I need to breathe some good air and I need to chill. And once I did that, once I reflected, I came back and I felt a million dollars once again. And did you do that on your own or did you do that with friends? So I really struggled doing it by myself. A very happy Bradley can do anything by himself. Place I still needed just that one person just to have a conversation with. And I went with my sister and I went with a really close friend of mine. And of course, my dog, who was my saviour during that struggle. But yeah, if you can go by yourself, then that is powerful. That goes to show that you are strong. If you can go by yourself, anywhere by yourself, that goes to you're powerful. I saw some recently, so for the, that people laugh at someone eating by themselves in a restaurant. But no, that's the most powerful thing someone can do because it shows they can be in their own company. That is, that, is, that is very true, actually. I think a lot of people are scared of their own company because it's a really vulnerable place to be, isn't it? And especially when you're on your own, your thoughts, rumination, it's quite strong. And so having someone else there has become sometimes a distraction away from your own mind and your own thoughts. But being, I guess, that involves meditation, 
kind of understanding those thoughts, actually sometimes it is one of the most vulnerable places to be in. Yeah, 100%. We did a workshop last week and it was about building and maintaining resilience and dealing with rejection, which I feel just relates really well to what you've just been talking about, actually. And one of the pillars that she spoke about to help build that resilience which obviously in long-term builds self-esteem and confidence, is finding purpose and having that purpose. And I think we all can sit here and go, yeah, I've got a purpose. But when you actually break that down, and I would say, Bradley, what's your purpose? What would you say? My purpose is, I guess, helping people become fitter, healthier. That's my purpose. I guess I also have a purpose to look after my dog. That's a purpose. I also have a purpose to make sure my mum's okay, my family's okay. I've got a few purposes. I've got purpose every day to make sure my house is clean. So that's a routine. There's many purposes, but my main purpose, I know for me, is, is to reach my goals. That's my main purpose. I found it such an interesting question. Yeah, I don't really know what to answer to that. And this, and this is the thing. It's like you kind of, when you really think about it, you're like, wait, what is my purpose? Yeah, what's your purpose? I think my purpose, and it's really interesting, I can answer it straight away. I didn't have this kind of quick snapshot, this is what my purpose is. I had a lot of things that meant a lot to me and a lot of things that I'm passionate about, such as nutrition, mental health, but obviously the organization the Be Well, and my family. But I was trying to like really sink it into an answer. And I think everybody in that workshop was the same. We automatically were like, wait, what is my purpose in life? And I think probably one of mine is like building a a strong sense of community and friendships and helping others um, for me is a really big thing. And I think that's where, you know, the education side came in quite heavily for me. I felt like, you know, I lost my purpose when I was a model in the fashion industry because I didn't really feel that that's what I was there to do. And my purpose grew through understanding about nutrition, understanding about mental health, understanding about bringing people together, creating conversations. A lot of people really struggle with that answer, and I certainly did. It's a really big part of building a resilient mindset because when you know what you've got your purpose for, you can kind of always come back to it and say, am I, am I on the journey with my purpose or not? Yeah, exactly, 100%. And it's a great question to ask people because a lot of people, you go, what's your purpose? You go, hang on a minute. I don't actually enjoy what I do. I actually haven't got a purpose. I'm literally doing this just, just, just to, to like just live. But that's a great question because so many people don't enjoy what they do with their work or they don't like where they live, but they don't want to change because it's their comfort zone. So if you ask them a question, what's actually your purpose? Go, well, when I was growing up, this is what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to achieve. And that's what my passion is. And, and then we'll go and do it. Go and do it. And there's not enough people make those changes. Yeah, I think a really good way of kind of starting that mindset is asking that question, you know, what is your purpose? And then you obviously look at other dimensions in your in your lifestyle, your relationships, you know, your nutrition, you know, where you live and all of these things obviously make a huge difference to how you feel. And there's a lot of times when we can't change it for financial reasons. Of course, 100%. But there's always times where we can look at it and see what is it that we can improve. What can we improve, 100%. Like I'm in a very fortunate position where I was able to afford to move areas. Um, like I grew up in Ealing, West London, and I bought a place there, and I felt like, okay, I'm still here at the age of 27. I lost all my inspiration, and it was affecting my business and my work and me wanting to create content because I just felt like I'm stuck. So I decided to move to Fulham Riverside, which is a beautiful part of, of London, and now I feel so inspired. It's, it's lifted me. It's given me so much more energy. I wake up every morning with a purpose, I've got that purpose back. So sometimes changing your environment, who you surround yourself with is important, and also where you are. 
I'm very fortunate I can financially afford it. But if there's ways to improve your lifestyle, your environment, do it. Yeah, completely. I think it's a really, really important factor is to just kind of look at actually it's very hard especially in London or in any city I mean I know we've got a lot of people here that are listening in in different cities around the world and they're all very different you know some are kind of concrete jungles some have a lot of greenery but I think you know green space being by the sea being in a, a community even if that isn't a concrete jungle but surrounding yourself with people and community is a really big way to uplift but um yeah, I just thought the purpose question was one I really wanted to see what you were going to answer. No, it kind of got me that one, did. Great question. Well, so that pulls me on to quite nicely. What's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? Piece of advice I've ever been given? I've been given quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe share the wealth of knowledge. Yes, yeah, share your knowledge and I think just always stay humble, you know. Stay humble is very key for me. Before people even get to know me, they assume I'm this arrogant, cocky person. I'm like, where's that come from? Because they stereotype you. But my piece of advice is just try and enjoy life. Do what you want to do. It's okay to be selfish sometimes. I've learned that recently. It's okay to be selfish. Put yourself first. Put yourself first. Isn't it interesting in that situations. we define that as selfish? I think yeah. that's a really interesting kind of sentence because it's like, is spending time on yourself selfish or is spending time on yourself like essential to you know being a good person for yourself and others around you because if you put yourself first you're going to be in a good mindset and then that's going to help your relationships around you that's going to help business that's going to help all sorts so it's okay to be selfish and I know it's tough there's probably mothers like listening to thinking well I've got four kids how can I put myself first but finding those moments where you do put yourself first is really really important and it's a must because my sister said, I sometimes have to put myself first because that makes me a better mum. Well, it does. I mean, if you don't put yourself first in any situation, then you are going to struggle yourself and actually be less equipped to deal with the big stresses that come through in our daily lives. Yeah, exactly. You know, if we've got a strong foundation there for ourselves and the daily stresses which we all have come in, we're stronger and more grounded to deal with that. Yeah, of course, 100%. If we don't put that time in for ourselves, we just crumble. And we break in those moments. And that's when stress really affects us. Yes, exactly. And everyone else. Exactly. And so for you, like one of the big areas of your job is online and it's on social media. And there's a huge debate. And we've done a podcast a lot actually with Naomi around kind of a positive relationship with social media. And it is really important. I mean, it's fantastic for brand awareness and allow people to be a bit more entrepreneurial in their own work because they can advertise it. And there's a loads of amazing positive things that come with social media. But there is also a lot of kind of negative sides that come with social media. And for someone who like lives and breathes it and obviously puts a lot of themselves out there, you know, how do you deal with that mentally? How do you deal with that side of it? Yeah, so now I'm much better. When I was younger, I was obsessed with my Instagram, obsessed it wasn't healthy at all. The first thing I did when I woke up was my Instagram. The last thing I did when I go to bed was my Instagram. I'll be in the room, room with my friends. I'll be on Instagram. I'll be more worried about well, who's watching my stories or who am I impressing then actually be with my friends and family or who's like my post. Oh, my post haven't been liked. Oh, I'm going to delete that. I haven't had enough likes in the last 10 minutes. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. So what I've done now is, well, I guess through experience, I post something, I put my phone down, I look at it 20 minutes, like, oh, it's done, oh it hasn't done okay. Oh, well, the next post will do better. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm very good now. And not to show everything. I don't mind showing a bits and bobs of my private life, but I don't show everything. I think that's really important as well. I was in a 
in a headspace where I thought I had to share everything because that's my job. That's what people want to see. That's how I'm going to gain more followers. I've now stopped worrying about how many followers I got or how many followers I need to get. I just focus on the quality of the content I'm creating. But for most people listening, choose wisely who you're following. You know, are they, when you look at who you're following, do they help your mindset? Do they give you any additional knowledge? Do they actually help you? Do you know what I mean? Are they a service or are they just someone to look at who actually makes you feel more anxious? So it's really important you choose who you follow wisely. But for me, I've got a much better relationship with social media now. Um, and I try my best to be a service to people that follow me. How many times a day do you think you're on social media? How many hours roughly? More hours than the majority because it is my job. But I've definitely reduced it. I'd probably say about six to seven hours probably a day, which is quite a lot. But again, I'm creating content. I, I have to create content. I'm an ambassador for many great brands, which I'm very fortunate to be. So I always constantly have to create content. I'm always looking for inspiration as well, which is important. So yeah, I'm on it quite a lot. Hopefully one day, which is why I did the Get It Done app, is I don't want to rely on Instagram for my income, for my career. I want to take a step away from Instagram. As an Instagram, you're not an entrepreneur, really. You are an Instagram influencer. So I've taken a step away from Instagram, so I don't have to rely on Instagram anymore for my main income, which was a massive stress as an influencer. You're ringing up your managers every single day. You go, when's the next job? When's the next job? When's the next job? You don't actually enjoy creating the content when you do get those jobs because you're worried about, okay, I need another one after this. So now I've taken a step away from that. I've become an entrepreneur. I've got a lot of projects on the side, which people don't know about, which people don't need to know about on my Instagram, which is, I think is very, very important. So of course I'll let them know about my health and fitness. And I've recently let them know about the Airbnb business I've just set up. I bought a place in the Cotswolds. But again, it's a reminder to say you need an escape from London. So that's why I was more than happy to showcase that to my followers. It's really important, isn't it? Because it takes off that self-validation. And it's a really interesting talking to you about it because I feel like I've been on the other side with modeling where it's not being online, but it's getting that validation. And it's a really big thing in the modeling world. Like, are you going to be booked? When's your next job? Are you to play for the month? Are you not going to work for the next six months? And obviously what you look like is when you get paid. So it's the same thing I really see with a lot of influencers coming through when, you know, they are waiting for their next call and that is their monetary income. And that is a lot to take on that basically you can't really change that much. You can create your content, but if someone doesn't like your vibe, your personality, then you're not going to have a job. And so there's a lot of self-validation that you have to go through in dealing with that side of things. Yeah. And many people are following us influencers to help them with their mental health and give them inspiration. But we're the ones ringing up our manager saying, where's our next job? I feel very anxious. Where's the next payment coming in? Do you understand? So, <laughs> so for me, it was such a big decision to start doing my own thing away from Instagram. Don't go wrong, I still do bits on Instagram and it's great, but I see it as a side thing. I say, oh, that's great. That's a nice little bit there. Where my main thing is focusing away from Instagram. So influencers, if you listen to this, don't make Instagram your main thing. I also think it's really important for any job, actually, because, again, this came up in a workshop recently, but one of my first ever workshops I hosted for Be Well, and I know that this relates to the fashion industry, but I think it relates to everybody. No matter what job you're in, people always want to change careers or they might end up, my tennis coach this morning said he used to work in the fashion industry and now he's a tennis coach. Like he's changed his career five years ago because it's something that he really wanted to change and he's actually benefited from it mentally. Thing is, Giselle said, you know, modeling doesn't define me. So she hasn't put all of her aspirations onto one type of job and one career path. And I think, again, that's really important when we go back to purpose of actually looking at the expansion of 
okay, well, this is where I, I am, but it doesn't mean that that is all I am. You know, I can expand myself and I can diversify myself. And that's actually really important for me mentally because if one thing then isn't succeeding or the job that I'm in, whatever job it is, isn't working, isn't fulfilling you, you have these other dimensions of your life that you can pull on and kind of morph into quite easily. And it gives you kind of more shape and self-worth and resilience of working towards other areas, I think. And I think consistency is the key to results, right? How do you say consistent is by enjoying something. So me having these other little projects allows me to enjoy. So, okay, let's say, for example, I really don't fancy doing a hit workout today. I'm exhausted for my subscribers. But Joe, you know what? After that, I've got these other projects which I'm really excited about. And that keeps me going. So I'm going to smash this hit workout and I've got these exciting projects. That, luckily for me, I love hit workouts. I love them, so that's fine. But <laughs> it might get to a point in my career when I'm a bit older, so I've been doing this for so long now that I'm, thankfully I've got these other projects that keep me afloat, keep me buzzing. Yeah, it's really important. Well, that wraps me up really well to ask you the final question, Bradley, because I always ask this to all of my guests that come on. And thank you so much for coming on today. You've been so insightful and inspirational, I'm sure, to so many people listening to this. But And it's going to be quite an interesting question for you because I feel like this is what you do every day. But for you, what does live well, be well mean to you? What does live well, be well mean to me? One, waking up every single morning excited for the day ahead feeling confident in yourself that you can achieve anything that you want you set yourself to set out to achieve and looking forward to being and meeting the friends around you. No fakeness, realness, always. Yeah, I think that's really important. And a really nice ending to this there podcast. You <laughs> so anyone who wants to know more about you, who wants to know more about the app, who wants to know more about your book, who now wants to follow you on Instagram, can you share all the details? And obviously I'm going to pop this all in the show notes as well. Yes. My name is Bradley Simmons with a D, S-I-W-M-O-N-D-S. You can follow me for all sorts of, and I'm even getting into my fashion now, which is quite fun. So if you want some fashion tips, if you want uh, some nutrition tips, exercise tips, workouts, then I'm the man. I've also got my own app. So if you need structure, if you need guidance, if you need to be pushed, if you need to be challenged, then subscribe to my app. It's £25 a month. And honestly, it'll be worth every single penny because you're with me every single day and my other trainers. And then, yeah, I've got my own book as well. So I'm an author, which I always forget about. People say, you're an author? I'm like, oh, yeah, good, I'm an author. It's a really nice site. put loads of different recipes in there and some workout programs in there too. And that's called Get It Done as well, which you can find on Amazon. Amazing. I'm going to pop that on in the show notes for anyone eagerly trying to like write it down as you're seeking about <laughs> all the things you've got going on. I'll make sure I link it in the episode when it comes out. So yes, wicked. People can find you quite easily. And I look forward to seeing the app. It's really exciting. Biggest congratulations. I know how much work goes into it. Thank you very much. And hopefully we can meet soon as well, face to face. Yes, that would be really lovely. That would be lovely. Thank you so much for coming on. Take care. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Live Well, Be Well. If you did enjoy this episode, please do give us a five-star rating as it really helps spread the importance and awareness of this factual podcast. And lastly, if you are around in December and you would like to come to the finale of season six, Live Well, Be Well, we will be doing our last podcast live and in person. So head to the BY Collective website, which is bycollective.co.uk to purchase your ticket and cannot wait to see you there. Until next week, I hope you will live well and be well.
Before you go, I have something new to tell you about. There's brand new bonus content waiting for you with every new guest I speak to. These are exclusively for my inner circle of Apple subscribers. To listen now, head to the Live Well, Be Well show page on Apple Podcasts, where you can activate your free trial and you can enjoy the podcast without adverts.